0: You know, I, I think there's something really good about life being divided into years. And I, I, what I like about it is that it gives you this opportunity to have the these beginning and ending points in your life. And, you know, for example, you take a year like 2014. You come to the end of the year, and before you step into 2015... If you if you do this, I do, and I, I think it's really worthwhile. Is it, it gives you the opportunity, like okay, now I'm starting a new new year, and and you can you can stop and you can reflect back on the past year, and you can think about you know what the what the, the, the past year meant in, in in our whole world in the lives of of so many people, and then what it what it what it meant in your own personal life. I think, that's a, I think it's really worthwhile to take the time to do that because it gives you the opportunity to really understand, well, what has value here? What, what, it gives you a perspective on life, but it also gives you an opportunity to be able to reflect back and remind yourself of God's faithfulness in the past year. And I think the other thing that's really good that goes with this is that you, if you take what you've learned and what you've gained from, you know, a, a year's worth of experiences, it, 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 it helps you to step back and think a bit more before you step into the next year, and so you're, you're better prepared for the year to come. Now, I think this is especially true if you take the time To think about what it is that you want to, what do you you want to achieve in the year ahead, and and how you want to become a better person, and and things that you want to do that you've never done before, and I know there's a word for that. That some of you might be thinking right now. I tried that, Steve. You know the word resolutions, making New Year's resolutions. Uh, I, I read in a magazine this last week where a guy said, well, if you don't want to use that word, you could use making new commitments. But call it whatever, whatever it is, I know some of you have had bad experiences with, with doing that because you'd say, you know, I tried that, it didn't work, I broke that the, the one or two resolutions within a short period of time and so I, I gave up and I'm not going to do that anymore. But what I, what, what's really important to factor into this is God, all right? And I think, I think it's a mistake for any one of us not to, to, to look ahead to the, this year and, and set our sights high to what we want to become and what we want to achieve because I think we should always be stretching ourselves to, to be better and to do better than, than we did in the, in the last year. I just think it's a really good thing to do. And uh, I, I would even say that there's everything right about setting your sights high to dream big dreams for your life. To use the ending of one year and the beginning of another year to do some dreaming, some dreaming of what you'd like to become, how you'd like to become a better person, and what more you'd like to achieve in your life. And not, not simply just for one year, but to think of, 2015, this year, in a way, leveraging you, projecting you forward so you can do better in the, in the years ahead. And so, you know, I just want to I I challenge us with doing that very thing this morning. And I, I believe this is something that is valuable for every single one of us here today, no matter what our age is. It's, you're never too young to start, start dreaming, dreams for your life, and, and you're never too old. One of the scariest things to me is to see somebody who gave up having dreams for their lives, to think to themselves, this is it, and I'll I'll never become a better person, or I'll never do better than I'm doing today, to give up and settle for what is instead of reaching for what, what can be in your life. And where I think this is most critical, most important, is in our spiritual lives, And so the thing that that I want to put in front of all of us this morning is to have this attitude in our life as we look into 2015 where we say, I want to take new ground in living my life for what matters most to God, right? So that's what we're doing this morning. In fact, for the next four weeks, today and the next three Sundays. and and So because I believe in this so much, we're going to look at four key ways to make this happen, beginning today and then over the next three, three weeks. Four ways you can live out God's dream for your life. Four ways to become everything that God created you to be. To experience this in 2015 and, and then really for 2015 to be a year that prepares you to continue moving forward in the, in the years to come. And what I'd like you to see is how all four have everything to do with how you're relating to God. Because how you relate to God determines the influence that God will have in you personally and through you into the lives of other people. It determines how much God can impact your life and how much God can impact the lives of other people through you. Now, we're going to do this through four different psalms. And today I begin with Psalm 103. And what it shows us about God because, because knowing God, our concept of God, what we believe is true of God determines everything about us. In fact, I would say it this way, and I don't, I don't believe this is an overstatement. I believe, I believe this is true with, with all my heart. I believe this is true. Your destiny, your destiny, the dreams that you dare to dream are determined by your true understanding of God. All right. Let me just say that again. Your destiny, the dreams that you dare to dream, are determined by you having a true and correct understanding of God. And that th- again, I want to say this: those aren't just fine-sounding words. They really—they're they're really true. They're really true. Now, now, it's possible that you're here today and right now you would say to me, Steve. I really don't have any relationship with God. <laughs> Up to this point in my life, I have not really had all that good of an impression of God. God, God seems very distant to me, and God seems cold to me. and And I would say that if you have that feeling, what's in, in any way you, you're thinking that about God, I hope you find this helpful this morning because. What I'm guessing is your ideas of God are not what you're going to find in the psalm that we look at today. You're going to see a far different God than maybe what you imagine God to be. Or it's possible that you have a relationship with God, but you'd say that your relationship with God is not all that close and and you'd say that really it's your relationship with God is more on your terms rather than on on God's terms and and, and your struggle is is trusting God really letting letting uh, letting go and allowing God to have control of your life. And so I'll say the same thing for you. I hope that what what we learned together about God this morning will help you let go and help you trust God because you're going you're gonna to see that God, can, God knows better. God's, God has absolutely the best dream for your life. Or it might be that 2014 was a very hard year for you. And I'm guessing all of us have had can point to some year in our life. If it wasn't 2014, it might have been you know, the year before, or I know for Becky and I, it was 2011. It was the hardest year of our life. And you're discouraged, and, 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 and maybe you're honestly wondering if it's worth following Jesus Christ. And so I'm hoping the truth of who God is that we're going to see this morning strengthens your faith to keep on trusting God and to keep on loving the one who gave his life for you. I hope you can see that this morning. So for all of us, for every single one of us, our concept of God, what we know about God, what we believe is true of God determines everything about us. It determines the extent to which you trust God with your life. It, it gives you confidence that God God knows better than anybody what's, what's best for you. It determines your willingness to obey and serve God and your attitude in doing Both, you know, where you have wholehearted going for it, holding nothing back, surrender to God because you know God is worthy of the absolute best from you. It determines how you approach God in prayer and and how dedicated you are to prayer. It's the difference between praying little prayers or big prayers, selfish prayers or use-me-God prayers, hit-miss and prayers or depending on God every single day kind of kind of prayers. It determines whether or not you worship God and the level of earnestness and focus in your worship. Every Sunday, it's coming with your heart prepared to worship God and not wanting to miss a minute of worship. And when you're worshiping, you're putting every bit of yourself into it. It's nothing half-hearted in your worship. It determines the enthusiasm level with which you tell others about God if you have if you have a small view of God it's likely you're not going to tell anybody about God but if you have a big big view of God if you really understand who God is then you're just going to be looking for opportunities to tell people about God and how great God is all right so the list could go on and on you really think God is, let me say it again, determines the whole scope of your life, your destiny, every dream that you dream, dare to dream is determined by a true, your true understanding of God. And so that's why I think the psalm in front of us this morning, Psalm 103, is so valuable. It tells us what God is really like. It helps us know God for who God really is. And, and I've chosen it Because while it doesn't say everything about God, it's one of the most complete descriptions I think that you're going to find anywhere in Scripture. In fact, that might be a total surprise to you, never realized that before, but Psalm 103 is is an amazing description of God. And it it comes from the heart of someone who dedicated himself to (coughs) to knowing God, David spent David spent enormous amounts of time pondering the scriptures and opening his heart and and meditating on who it was and who it is that he's worshiping, and so it's a description, the descriptions that David uses to remind his listeners of who God is. That that I'd like us I'd like to highlight for you this morning, and you you can think of it as your top ten list. All right, um, and. And what you might find is that one or two will rise to the top that are most applicable to you this morning, that you need to hear the most this morning. But every one, every one gives us confidence in God's dream for our life, that, that, that we can be everything God created us to be, and they show us that we can set our sights high and that we can dream big dreams. And I, it's the truth, everybody. I promise you this is the truth. Uh, that's that's what we're... It, it is so utterly profound what we're looking at this morning, this truth about God. And so I can't wait to do it. So let's look at it, all right? Uh, David began by speaking to himself. He said, Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. He said, What he means by that is like every part of me. I'm not going to hold back anything. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise His holy name, praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits david David is saying to himself, and he's saying to us, this truth about God is so profound it should impact every single part of us, not not just simply how we worship God in song, but how we worship God with all of our lives and and and, and then that last word, the word benefits that what what he's pointing to is Everything he's going to be saying about God that God does for each one of us that shows us who God is. So let's, let's look at each one of these descriptions. Uh, first of all, David says, our God is a pardoning God. He's a pardoning God. And he, he shows us this with this statement. He said, who forgives all your sins. That's how he begins that psalm, who forgives all your sins. Don't miss this, everybody. Deep in the character of who God is is a willingness in eagerness to forgive people who sincerely repent of their sin. I mean, it's so, it's so important to understand that, that forgiveness is accomplished on the basis of who God is. It's, it's in God's makeup. It, it, it's not conditioned on, on our frantic and futile efforts to prove ourselves worthy of God's forgiveness. And this is so good to know because I think sometimes some of us, underestimate God's forgiving character. In fact, I would even say that I in in working with people, I think I I see this probably more often than not. Okay? Uh, we keep punishing ourselves when we sin. You do that? You keep punishing yourself? We think that God forgives only reluctantly. We think that we've got to do something where we can convince God to forgive us, you know? We we think God gives up on us, so we give up on ourselves. You ever ever struggle with that? You know, you think, boy, God's certainly given up on me by now, so I'm going to give up on myself. And so we stop dreaming of what we can become because we forget that our God is a pardoning God. (laughs) Uh, Forgiveness flows from the heart of a God who is by makeup a pardoning God. God is eager to forgive. David says he'll forgive all your sins. Your your stupid sins, your sleazy sins, your selfish sins. In fact, I I love what David wrote later on in that same chapter in verse 12. He said, "As as far as the east is from the west so far... Uh, has God removed our transgressions from us? In in 2013, Becky and I went and spent a week in New York City. In fact, we were there just before the hurricane came in, Uh, and uh, we missed it just by a few weeks. And, uh, you know, I just remember when when we we walked, in fact, we just walked throughout that whole city, and I remember standing at, at the very east end of the city and looking out into the ocean like, We're we're as far east as you can get in the United States. And then over Christmas, Becky and I went to uh, spend a week with Nikki in Seattle. And uh, Nikki just recently uh, moved north from Seattle up to Bellingham, Washington. And Bellingham is right on the Puget Sound. And uh, 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 Nikki's dating a guy who lives up in Bellingham. And and so she decided, you know, if we're ever going to, you know, continue this relationship. Uh, So she moved up there um, and got her place and got a job. and, And so we're at Dave's house. And he has a house that's on the side of a mountain that overlooks the Puget Sound. that has got windows all on one side. So as I'm standing there and I'm looking out and I see the Olympic Mountains, you know, way off in the distance and, 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 and you know, a ship down in the water below and all of these islands. I'm standing there. I'm going, man, this is, this is as far west as it gets, you know. Uh, we're, in fact, I just felt like we'd almost gone to it like, because it's so far north, it's it's like you, you you start reading about crossing into Canada. You know, tells you how long you're going to have to wait. And I go, we're as far north and as far west as we can possibly get right now. I felt like we were in another planet almost. You know, so as far west and as far east. That that's what that's what David's saying here. We have a pardoning God, and when He pardons us, He pardons. He removes our sins as far as the as the east is from the west. Our God is also a redeeming God. David made this statement in Psalm 103, verse 4. He said, who redeems your life from the, from the pit, from the pit. You know what the pit is? The pit is it's really the pit of hell. It's, it's being in bondage to Satan himself. And what David is saying here is that within the makeup of who God is, is a willingness, even an eagerness, to give of himself to purchase and buy back those he loves. And and those he loves, that's you and that's me. God redeems us. God brings us back from our bondage. He buys us out of it from our bondage to Satan. In fact, I love how Peter described how great a price was paid for each one of us to redeem us. He, he said this, and uh, he said, For you know that it, this is in the New Testament, Peter uh, wrote this in his first letter. He said, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your fa- forefathers. So he's saying it's not anything we did. He said, But with the precious blood of Christ, the precious blood of Christ, A lamb without blemish or defect. Our our ransom, God redeemed us by the blood of his son Jesus Christ. And and, and note again, no one ever coerced or strong-armed God into doing this. God redeemed us because deep in his heart is a propensity, a willingness, even an eagerness to spend himself for others, even at the cost of the blood of his son. Jesus Christ. You and I are in relationship with a redeeming God. It's part of who God is. Eh? So, if you think there's anyone God can't redeem, if you think there's anyone God's not interested in redeeming, including yourself, i got to tell you there isn't any such person. People, Other people write off. God, God still wants to redeem. God never writes anybody off. Not because they're so wonderful, because we know we're not so wonderful. It's because God's so wonderful. So let me tell you, friend, no matter what you've done in your life, there, it's never too late. There's nothing that can ever prevent you from experiencing God's dream for your life. There's nothing that should ever stop you from dreaming the biggest dreams for your own life. And those aren't just words. It's the truth because it's based on who God is. And then David wrote this in verses 4 and 5. He, he points out to us that our God is a satisfying God. And he, he made this wonderful statement. He said, who crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies, I just love that. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the egos. It's part of the nature of God is this desire for you and I, for you and me to lead satisfied lives, for us to have full lives, for us to have abundant lives. God created us, and it follows that God knows what's best for each one of us, right? What's gonna bring true and, and lasting satisfaction in our lives? And it all begins and it all continues with our relationship with Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus said, I've come so that they may have life and they may have it to the full. I mean, talk about dreaming big dreams. God has the biggest and the best dream for every single one of us. It's it's for us to have a life that is filled with purpose and a life that is filled with satisfaction and a life that is filled with joy. So our God's a pardoning God, and he's a redeeming God, and he's a satisfying God. David goes on to say that our God's a righteous God. He, he makes this statement uh, in, in verse 6. He said, the Lord works righteousness and justice for the oppressed. God was God still is, and God always will be a righteous God, which means that God's not only righteous himself, God wants you and me to live righteous lives. And really, there's no better life for us to live. This is God's dream for you and God's dream for me. It's, It's what God created us to be. I mean, talk about setting our sights high and what we dream for ourselves. This is is absolutely as high as it can possibly get to be righteous like God, to be like Jesus Christ, to be like Jesus. It's possible because we have the power of God in us. We don't, we don't do this in our own strength. We do it in the strength of the power of God himself. And so it can really happen. We can dream that. We can, we can, we can set our sights that high to be like Jesus. Those, those aren't just words. You remember that? I, th- I thought of it this past week, how we should do this in every, every, the littlest things in our life and the biggest things in our life. And, you know, uh, you remember that bracelet a few years ago that became so popular that had the initials, you know, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? I mean, that's, not, that's, that's pretty smart, really. You know, in every situation, asking ourselves the question, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? It was like I, I, I was in a rush yesterday, and, and I had to be someplace. You know how we f- do that with ourselves? like, I've got to be someplace, you know. A certain, and I, so I came into the post office to mail something, and the line almost went out to the door. And so what Steve would normally do is complain. And so he thought, you know, I just had that thought a few minutes ago. What would Jesus do? So I enjoyed conversation with the people in the line, you know? So that was that was fun. Okay, a little victory for me. All right. <laughs> Where am I? Okay. Okay. Yes. So then 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 in then in, in Psalm 103, in verse 8, you would find a statement in that one verse that I think is if, if I if someone were to say to me, what is the the, the one statement that would describe God in one verse better than any other, I think this might be it. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. And so what this does is it gives us the next four descriptions of God. and the first one is that God's a compassionate God he said God God has a God has a, a tender heart toward people. God has a sympathetic spirit. God has the ability to feel pity. In, in, in verse 13, David describes what this, what this really means for us. He makes it very personal. He said, as a father, and we could say as a mother, as a father and mother, have compassion on their children so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him i got to tell you, everybody, it's overwhelming for me to realize that Almighty God, the creator of this universe, has the same compassion toward me as I feel toward my children. That's almost more than I can comprehend because my children mean absolutely everything to me. And to think that I'm this precious to the creator of this universe, I mean, I just can't get over that. And God wants us to know this. God wants us to revel in this truth, to enjoy being his child, that that he has compassion, this kind of compassion for us. Okay? And and then David says, our God is a gracious God. And in that same verse, he said, the Lord is compassionate and and gracious. Uh, What this means is God loves, God loves to give to undeserving people. God loves to give to undeserving people. And he does this because he's, he's a gracious God. You and I, we're hooked up to an outrageously gracious God. In I, I, I thought about, you know, you've heard me mention, if you've gone to Brookside very long. You know that you might know that Romans chapter 8 is my absolute favorite chapter in the Bible. And the reason I love it so much is it's really all about God's grace in, in our lives. And and one of my favorite statements is this one in verse 32. It's describing Uh, Paul's describing God and he said, God who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, he said, he he asked the question, if God God gave his son, he said, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Wow, you know, just don't leave that too quickly, right? Graciously give us all. All things. All things. I mean, talk about, I mean, dreaming big dreams for our lives. This, this statement right here is God, God making everything possible for us to have the biggest dreams in our lives and have those dreams fulfilled. I mean, God's giving us everything we need to make that happen. I love the next one, that our God is the slow-to-anger God. Uh, from that same, he said, the Lord is compassionate and, and gracious, and he's slow to anger. You know what that means? That means God's got a, God's got a very long fuse. Okay? God's got a very, very long fuse. Very, very long. Uh, it's true, you, you and I, we can push him. And we can rebel against him, and we can defy him, and we can ignore him. And, and eventually, we'll experience God's wrath, which, which is a terrifying thing to, to experience. We, you don't want to miss that. But David, at this point, wants all every single one of us who've labored under the mistaken notion that God's ready to pounce on you for every minor offense God wants you and me to understand that we, slow, we serve a God who's got a very long fuse, so slow to anger God. Isn't that good to know? I don't know about you, but I'm, boy, I would have, like, wiped me off a long time ago. You know, if I would have been God and looked down at me, I would have said, enough, enough with this guy, you know. Um, and then David finishes that statement by saying, that the Lord is compassionate and gracious and he's slow to anger and he's abounding in love. So you and I, we have a loving God. Uh, How loving? Well, in verse uh, 11, David said, he's this loving, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As high as the heavens are above the earth. You know, David wrote that not having a telescope, and so all he could see was what he could see with his naked eye. He could see the clouds and he could see the sun. He could see the moon and the stars, you know, at night. But you and I, we've got telescopes. And so we understand even better how infinite God's love is. It's like light years kind of, kind of love that God has for us. You see, this gives us every reason to have confidence in God's dream for our lives, for your life. It's it comes from a God who's filled with love for us. And then David said, Our God is a merciful God. He, he, he made this statement He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. That's really a, a great definition of mercy. You know, every single day of my life, God doesn't give me what I deserve. You ever thought about that? Every, every single minute of your life, God does not give you what you deserve. God just gives you his grace. God just gives you his love. God just gives and gives and gives. So many good things. He doesn't give us what we deserve. He gives us what we don't deserve. And then Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. That's ultimately what, uh, what we deserve. Eternal separation from God, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. God gives us what we don't deserve. Two more, and then we're done. Verse 17 and 18, David said, we have an unchanging God. Unchanging God. He said, from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, uh, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his commands. We have an unchanging God. We serve a God whose character doesn't change. God remains consistent throughout the ages. God's character never needs improvement. God's character is never going to go the other way. There's never going to be any character slippage with God. As God has been in eternity past, and as God is today, God is going to be in the future throughout all of eternity. And you know what? I look at that, and again, it gives me every reason to trust God's dream. For my life. And finally, David writes, our God is a sovereign God. He said, the Lord has established his throne in heaven. His throne in heaven. And his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels. You mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works, everywhere in his dominion. Point being, God's sovereign, everybody. Oh, you know, sometimes we think like this world's out of control and God's lost control. And, and it's true, man, this world's a bad place. There's so many bad things going on. And it's true, God's given us a really long rope. But don't forget, God hasn't left his throne. God's still in control. And ultimately, God's going to bring everything to a conclusion exactly the way God wants it to be. And someday, we're going to be in the presence of God for all of eternity. But in the meantime, right now, God's sovereign, which means you have every reason to trust God. God is going to fulfill his dream for your life, and you can dream big dreams because God has all the wisdom and all the power to guide you and to strengthen you so that you can make those dreams happen. I mean, that's not just words. It's truth. It's true. And so David says... Our God is a pardoning God. He's a redeeming God and he's a satisfying God and he's a righteous God. And he's a compassionate and gracious and slow to anger and loving God. And he's a merciful God and he's an unchanging God and he's a sovereign God. You see, when David said all of that, he didn't mean this list to be exhaustive. There's so much more that God is what David's really saying is, don't ever underestimate God. Don't ever sell God short. Never do that. Never do that. And this is why it's possible to dream the biggest dreams for your life. It's, it's all because of who God is. Set your sights as high as you can possibly dream. Because God can and God will make every dream you dream better. Better than you could ever ever imagine. It's all true. So here's what you can do, all right? To really, really let this sink in, all right? Just really let it sink in, because I want to tell you something, everybody. I don't think any one of us are, are, I don't think you're any different from me. I forget a whole lot of stuff. Sometimes it scares me how much I've forgotten, in fact, Becky has a memory that is 10 times better than mine. She'll say, Remember when that happened? I'll go, No. You know, it's like, that happens almost. I just, so many things I forget. You know what? You know what? You know what I have to do so that I don't forget things? I have to remind myself of them over and over and over again. So, you know what you might do? You might take Psalm 103 and this next week and the week after, and I don't you know, for how many weeks it takes, just read and reread that Psalm over and over again so that it can just sink in, just soak into you the truth of who God is to help you remember, yeah, yeah, I can dream big dreams, and God's got the biggest dream for my life that I can trust him in totally. hey. Okay? Let's pray, and, uh, and then we're going to share in communion. Father, I, I am so grateful to you that way back in eternity, you had a plan for my life. And Father, not only for me, for, but for every single one of us here in this room, God, you, you, have, you have the best and the biggest and the greatest dream for our lives and by your power and by your grace, Father, we know that this can going to happen in all of us. And I praise you for that. In Christ's name, amen.